Welcome to Art Hue, a podcast brought to you by the Collegiate Association for Artists of Color that dives into currently trending or historically significant topics relevant to our community. This marks our final episode of our first series about how creatives have been affected by the pandemic. If you haven't heard our first two episodes, be sure to listen to them on Spotify and Apple Music. The link will be in our bio. In this episode, we're exploring how artists of color have been financially impacted this past year and what kind of lessons they've learned as an emerging creative. Something we want to address first and foremost is the, quote, starving artist stereotype. You know the one. You say you want to make dance, music, or photography your full-time career, but you're met with skeptical glances and endless amounts of, are you sure? Or how will you make money? Uh, I've gotten that all the time. Just to clarify, these are valid concerns for any profession. Nearly every industry has been affected by the pandemic. Restaurant, hotel, and retail workers are just a few. The pandemic certainly hasn't spared the creative industry. More than 60% of artists in the U.S. became unemployed since last March. When you factor in conditions that normally put communities of color at a disadvantage, such as education, food, homeownership, and access to healthcare, this creates more cause for concern about how people have been surviving. The stigma against becoming a full-time artist can be especially discouraging, and I think a lot of us can be hyper-fixated on all the uncertain factors that come with being an artist. But we're committed to creating an uplifting community where you're not only seen, but supported. So we talked to a few full-time artists who know this feeling all too well to learn how they've overcome this bleak outlook. Gabby Henderson is a Black creative from Chicago, Illinois, who graduated from DePaul University in May 2020. She's a full-time musician, singer, producer, and sound designer. Though she initially wanted to be a film director, halfway through her degree, she realized music was her true calling. She wanted to explore careers in event planning or music scouting, in addition to creating her own music. Instead, she moved back home as soon as she graduated. While music is the passion she wants to eventually become her primary living, she still works on film projects as a monetary necessity. She's mainly been freelancing in sound design roles to financially support herself. These projects have been an unstable source of income, so until she can find a steady full-time or part-time job, they're there to stay. Gabby doesn't feel any urgency about paying off the student loans she graduated with. <laughs> I always say, I, I'm kind of joking when I say this, but also slightly not. I'm like, I could just fake my own death and then I wouldn't have to pay them. But yeah, I I kind of just don't think about it because I know that everyone, like everyone I know has debt. Gabby hasn't gotten any government aid at all. She didn't qualify for unemployment because her student job would have ended upon graduating anyway. She hasn't received any stimulus checks either since her parents claimed her as a dependent. Luckily, some former classmates and clients have been helpful in connecting her with new opportunities. But even then, she finds herself turning some offers down because the money just isn't there. I feel bad for doing that, but also I feel like most people who do freelance understand that you kind of have to set a precedent on your value of your work otherwise people will charge you less or people won't pay you as much every freelancer's workload is unique when we last spoke with her towards the end of february she had three concurrent projects as well as another one that was ongoing she's typically able to complete them with her version of a nine to five schedule it's usually actually more like 12 to 8 because i'm a 
night owl and, and a late riser. I usually get up at like 12 p.m. Sometimes projects with less work pay her a higher rate than the ones that are more demanding. This unpredictability means she's usually in search of more freelancing and job opportunities. For a while, she felt awkward discussing money. Even trying to negotiate prices was difficult because she was afraid she'd say a number that's too large and scare off a client, or too small and sell herself short. She's worked on building her confidence since starting her career and always makes it a point to ask about the client's budget first so she can gauge how much they can afford. I think I've just kind of learned to not be so scared of just already just bringing out numbers because the money question is always going to come up and I think it's good to just jump into it. You have to do it. Just rip the band-aid off. It's been difficult for Gabby to record music remotely. She has to individually send her demos to different friends who play the bass, drums, guitar, and any extra instruments. Since some of them are still in school, it sometimes takes months before she hears back from them. We're all just kind of in limbo waiting to start our careers. Speaking practically, not everyone is able to juggle both aspects, especially during the pandemic. It hasn't been easy for her, but her passion for her music helps her overcome these obstacles. I hope that people who are contemplating whether or not to start their creative pursuit during this pandemic just take that leap of faith and do it. And regardless of if you make money from it or not, I think that it's more important if you enjoy it and if it brings you joy and happiness. Motivation plays a large part in helping you endure challenging circumstances. Some might even say it's necessary to commit as a full-time creative. As Gabby and our other guests can attest to, not every moment of being an artist is pretty. The Germany Brown, a 20-year-old Black creative, shares the sentiment that having passion for your art is half the battle. I'm a professional ballet dancer, but I'm also a creative director of my own fashion brand. So I work in like styling and makeup, and I also dabble in drag a little bit. So I do a little bit of everything. He's found more luck than Gabby in regards to financial stability amidst a time of immense turmoil. Le Germany started dancing when he was young and moved to New York at 15 to attend the School of American Ballet until he joined the corps in New York City Ballet in 2019. For the most part, Le Germany has been mentally and financially thriving. He's still getting paid from his ballet company and receives unemployment benefits from the government. Additionally, he regularly resells gender-inclusive vintage and thrifted garments on Depop and also receives a number of checks from previous styling and fundraising jobs. But he wasn't always so fortunate. He came from a low-income household and has been working ever since he was 15 years old in preparation for his dance career. Le Germany typically worked around 12 hours, six days a week, when he was dancing. The cancellation of live performances meant he suddenly had an abundance of free time on his hands. He moved back home to Tennessee to be closer to family, where he's currently staying. He decided to take on a remote network marketing job, which left him writing, studying, and looking at charts on his computer for most of the day. It brought him some income, but he realized that line of work wasn't suited for him. Le Germany started his luxury fashion brand, Le Germany New York, in 2019, but didn't start heavily working on it until after he quit his network marketing position. He actually wasn't planning on establishing his brand until later in his career. All the downtime he got as a result of the pandemic created new opportunities for him. 
The beginning stages mainly consisted of figuring out his direction as an artist, stylist, and creative director, then solidifying the message of the brand. For him, Le Germany New York is more about creating equal spaces for Black and POC artists than it is about making profit, which is emphasized in his latest collection. This past December, he released a 15-look eco-efficient collection for his young luxury fashion brand, Le Germany New York which can be viewed at legermanynewyork.com. His designs include statement pants, sweatshirts, coats, bags, and more ranging from $50 to $400. He didn't qualify for any business loans because of how young his brand is. Instead, his steady income helped him afford the means to purchase materials, create his designs, and hire artists to work on his campaign photo shoot. All of my artists who were a part of that were Black, and it had to be about 20 people who were a part of the project. So that means makeup, hair, the artists, my photographers were POC. And so it was just this melting pot. And especially in a small place like Chattanooga, it was really important that I come back and share an opportunity and experience in a production of this caliber with my community. Business-wise, Le Germany has learned from close role models around him. From his family to his peers at the New York City Ballet, he drew inspiration from his father and applied it to his own work. My dad was kind of a businessman and just the way he thought about things and there was always some sort of investment or there was always a plan in order. And so I, I always just kind of grew up like, okay, well, to achieve success, there has to be some sort of foundation in what we're creating. His efforts haven't been quite as focused on marketing his collection since releasing it because he's currently working on a collaborative project with Girls Dance, a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping young Black girls navigate the world. The irony of creating a luxury fashion brand isn't lost on him. In fact, he actually came up with his business idea in his childhood home. The adversity he faced in a low-income household and as a black gay man has helped him strengthen his resiliency to pursue his creative fields. And that just goes to show, like, none of that had anything to do with my reality. It may seem like, oh, well... You're living in the projects in low-income housing with your mom, but I was just a walking example of no matter where your environment is, you can create anything. And so it's just really beautiful, and it pushed me to create something to share with everyone. And so many people have misconceived notions about this community, so... I'm just glad to share something like that. While Gabby has faced much more unpredictability in her line of work, given the nature of freelancing, Le Germany's journey of focusing on his brand growth happened to be more reliable and stable, as he was able to invest back into himself to solidify a more stable re-entry when businesses resume normal operations. We know that life is this ongoing process of growth and expansion, so You'd have to accept that sometimes growth looks like risk. Growth looks like sitting still for a month or two and then taking off and moving. So it's like you just have to be in tune 
and listen to what's happening around you. Just because you take your time doesn't mean you're late. There's another important part of the conversation that needs to be considered. How talking about money is seen as a taboo topic. Which is interesting because knowledge about loans, grants, and other applications is extremely helpful should you ever find yourself in an unfavorable circumstance like the pandemic. Or as Black digital storyteller Halise Nervaez calls it, the Panini Press. Halise is based in San Antonio, Texas. She uses video production and filmmaking to explore ideas about identity and culture on her YouTube channel and through her production company, Stumblewell. Hey everyone, it's me, Halise, endeavoring to persevere. As always, if you're new here, I make videos about my chaotic good life. Subscribe, follow, social media, all the things, blah, 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 you know. In January, she released a video called, quote unquote, How I Financially Survived, Survived, this panini press, parentheses, actual numbers. Throughout the video, she addresses topics like what her financial situation was like, quote-unquote, pre-panini press, how she applied for government loans and grants using features like YouTube AdSense and Patreon to maximize her financial gain. When it comes to receiving funding, she made it a point to apply to as many loans and grants as possible. One can only imagine how cumbersome it is to fill out a seemingly endless amount of paperwork. For those of us who aren't quite business savvy, just keeping track of our expenses, profits, and losses alone can sound like a lot of work. According to Halise, there's an entire emotional challenge to overcome as well. She experienced a bit of imposter syndrome as she was filling out applications. But she kept applying because when it came down to it, she knew that she needed the money. There is no alternative. If the money doesn't come in, either way, I need to figure it out. Even if the money does come in, either way, I need to figure out how best to utilize it. The total amount of funding she received between all of her loans and grants averaged to about $30,000. She used this amount to invest back into her business, such as buying better digital equipment to improve her content. What also helped Halise financially was actively budgeting her expenses. Before starting StumbleWell full-time in 2018, she worked at a traditional video agency where she was mentored on how to use the corporate aspects of business to fund the creative, artistic end. Halise calculated her business expenses and current income to figure out the bare minimum she needed to survive in 2020. This isn't her first video addressing the subject, and she doesn't plan on it being her last. Halise posts videos like this every year to create relatable, applicable content for viewers to learn from. That means talking about actual numbers and figures. Most of us are kind of taught the whole be a doctor, lawyer, you know, whatever, which if that's what you're down for, awesome. But um, the pathway of an artist isn't really shown to us, not I feel like in ways that maybe other demographics get that opportunity to kind of like learn how to be a quote unquote like financially secure artist. <laughs> That's why videos like hers are so valuable. They provide insight that's rarely shared. It's typically considered socially inappropriate to directly address the topic of money. Instead, artists often skate around it as an unspoken code of etiquette. 
Right, and this is especially harmful for marginalized communities. There's no precedent for them to follow in order to build their growth. And since people of color are particularly disadvantaged in social, cultural, and professional spaces, there's a greater chance that they'll unknowingly undersell their services. Police hopes to bridge this gap in resources through her videos. Yeah, I just want people to not make the same mistakes I have made. That's the big thing. As people listening, maybe will see where I am at, I'm at and think like, oh my gosh, if I was where she was at, I wouldn't have this problem or this worry or anything like that. And all of that is true. There are some things that I just don't necessarily have to worry about that I think someone just graduating from college into a creative endeavor does. However, when you get to where I am, and I'm going to speak that for you, I hope you do, and I hope you surpass me. <laughs> Remember that your worries and your struggles will graduate with you. The prospect of graduating amidst these circumstances can be certainly unnerving, especially with the quote-unquote starving artist stereotype hanging over our heads. It's just truly important to be you, build your brand, stay consistent, know yourself, have integrity, share resources with your people like it's for us all to grow and really change this narrative of what society is really supposed to be and it's also a matter of taking steps like budgeting and strategizing money isn't what defines a successful career becoming a quote successful artist shouldn't be based on what other people have defined as successful rather consider what that looks like for you Thank you so much for listening to Art Hue. For more CAC content, follow us on Instagram at CACOfficial, Twitter at HeyCAC, and like us on Facebook. You can also find more information about us at CACOfficial.org and get to interact with members of our community on our Discord linked in the bio. We're your hosts, Emily Bonilla and Rachel Lee, and we'll catch you in the next episode.